Rewind. Find. This week on the serious side. While everyone knew that the red light cameras would soon go dark, the actual shutting down of the cameras at 10 a.m. this morning proved to be a popular topic for Houstonians paying their traffic tickets. I'm glad they're gone. Sometimes I think it's unfair the way they catch you when you go through the light. It is a harsh reality less popular with... Online radio at its best. Online radio at its best. Hey, 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 good If you're ready, map of the south. Let's do this. I'm telling you, I am first very honored that you would join me tonight. He has a very limited time spot, so we want to bring in Mr. Alan Farrell right away. Hey, how are you, Kathleen? You know what? I'm going to make you do what it do is. Man, what's crack-a-lackin', baby? What's crack-a-lackin'? It's time for the serious side of the Jay Brown Show. Don't try to call me out, princess. You can take your love and true purpose and stick it. She's a bitch. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. This week on the serious side. Well, then... I-33, nay, 29. The gavel of the presiding officer, no match for the cheers in the New York State Senate. As New York State Senate passes by a vote of 33 to 29, same-sex marriage rights. This makes Mass- this makes New York, excuse me, um, the sixth and largest state to pass same-sex marriage rights. The rancorous debate over the debt belies the fundamental truth of our economy: that it is run for the few at the expense of the many. That our entire government has been turned into a machine which takes the wealth of the mass of Americans and accelerates it into the hands of a few. I see everybody bringing that to the altar. I see everybody moving like that. Touch your neighbor so that might be her day today, but my day coming, my day coming, my day coming, my day coming. Quick, fast, in a hurry. Quick, fast, in a hurry. Good morning and welcome to the serious side of the TJRS, broadcasting live from the Smooth Jams Jazz Cafe, right here on the TJRS Radio Network. Good Sunday morning to you and welcome into the serious side of the J. Rouse Show, broadcasting live here on the TGRS Radio Network Online Radio. And as best today is July 31st, and we welcome you into the show. I'm J. Rouse. And of course, I never share the stage by myself. Let me introduce you to my esteemed colleagues. First up, she's the host of Adam or Art Thou? And she's also a TGRS contributor and the author of the book Single Mother, the New Father. Let's say good morning to TV and radio personality Kathleen Williams. Good morning, Kathleen. How are you? I'm doing great this morning, Jay. Good morning. How are you? Doing outstanding. I tell you, there's so much to talk about this morning. I can't wait to get into the conversation, and I'm so appreciative that you're here with us this morning. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Oh, Next my pleasure up, to be here today. Thank you. 
Absolutely. Next up, she is the host of the True Purpose Development Show. She's also the author of the book, uh, Pregnant in the Spirit. Let's say good morning and welcome in to the serious side. Dr. Princess Odia. Good morning, ma'am. How are you? Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Kathleen? Hey, good morning, Dr. Princess Odelia. How are you? Good, thanks. Thank you so much once again for joining us, and I can't wait to get into these conversations this morning. Next up, he is the host of the Jay Rouse Show. He's also a TGRS contributor. Let's say good morning to Mr. L.E.S. Mr. L.E.S., man, good morning. How are you, sir? Good morning, sir, and how are you? Good morning, uh, Dr. Princess Odelia. And good morning, Kathleen Williams. How are you ladies doing? Hey, good morning. Wonderful. We're doing great. Wonderful. How are you? Everyone's in such a great mood. And I, I tell you, let's see if it maintains throughout the rest of the show. <laughs> let's get into it, folks. First up, we're talking about gay rights versus black civil rights. You hear this a lot amongst the gay community. Uh, and a lot of times you hear them say things like, you know, our rights our plight is similar to the plight of African Americans. And so it's always an interesting conversation to get into, so let's start with it right now. Mr. Elias, let me ask you a question. Is there a comparison? Should gay rights be on the same level or should be compared to black civil rights, things that African Americans went through in this country? What say you? In some instances, yes, and then in some instances, no. Uh, okay. I, I, I would say that, you know, they are a... Uh, they are abused, like the uh, civil rights. They are beaten, because you have gay uh, people that are gay bash people, as though as the same as you had people that would, you know, beat you for your color. But, you know, and as another a lot of instances, some people say that being gay is a choice. Being black is, was not a choice for me. So I can see yes in some instances, and in some instances no. Hmm. Kathleen, what, what do you have to say about that? Oh, boy. Yeah, I know. Let's get it out the way now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I okay. this is this is always, can you all hear me okay? Absolutely, go ahead. Okay, good. Um, this is something that has, has always troubled me. I have mm-hmm. never been excited to hear uh, someone who is um, standing up for gay rights compare the struggle, the situation, to civil rights or the black struggle and situation. Now, and, and let me be clear, it's the struggle that uh, bothers me, the history that concerns me. And it's, it's very similar to when someone starts to talk about the Holocaust and they say, hey, 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 don't compare that to the Holocaust. It's nothing like it. I, I just don't remember the lynchings. I don't remember the hosing down. I don't remember the, ho- the murders. I don't remember the slavery. I don't remember any of that happening in the black, in the gay community. Now, I am not trying to dismiss or minimize what has happened to gay people in this country. I don't know their experience, but I do hear a lot about what they have to say. I do know that they have been traumatized on the streets of this country, ridiculed. They've had to hide in the closet, out the closet, in the military, all that time. I'm not minimizing their experience at all, but please, just just don't take it and, and layer it on top of the black experience and say that it's one and the same. That, that really does bother me. Hmm. What about you, Dr. Odelia? What say you? Well, okay. 
I, I'm going to say this, and I and first I'm going to ask the same question as Kathleen. Can you hear me well? Yes. Okay, very good. Um, I am going to say that I believe that the gay community first, they have a, a big fight. Okay, they are uh, they walk in fear. They deal with their life. They, they deal with the issue of not being um, very comfortable within their own skin for many of them. Mr. Elias made a statement that they have a choice, as not, not saying it, but making, to me, alluding to the fact that they possibly have a choice to be gay. And if you hear, you know, many gay people talk, and, and even if you've heard our co-host, um, Ernest, also say, there's no choice, this is how they were made. But that within the society as a whole is completely disputable. Um, people argue that. Therefore, because it's an argument, people bash them because of that, and they're not free to be them, just them. As black people... We tend to think that nobody has suffered as we've suffered. No one has had to fight as we've had to fight. But in fact, the the bashing, whether it's racism, whether it's because of your culture, whether it's because of who you are, just as a person, an individual, it is a situation that... Everybody has their own individual. Uh, we, we can all say that it's all severe. It's all severe. And I think it's, it's important for us to respect them and their struggle as we expect for people to respect us in our struggle. Somebody from the Holocaust can say, well, okay, slave, you know, the black people didn't go through what we've been through. You know, the, the Jews could say that if they wanted to. The, the, the blacks, I mean, I say it all the time. We have been through what we have been through, and we should be grateful because it has made us to who we are today. We're very strong people, and it's awesome. But you know what? Everyone has had their own individual struggles, and I don't think we should mix one as greater than the other. I think the gays, yeah, I think their struggle is their struggle. I know a lot mm-hmm. of gays who, are, who walk in fear mm-hmm. because they can't be themselves. You're black. We're all black on this panel, and I think we—it's clear that we're black and we can be ourselves. At least that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Let's uh, bring in. Uh, he's the host of the Spree Radio Show. He's also a teacher. I contributor. Let's say good morning to Jerome Spree. Jerome, how are you, sir? I'm good. How are you? Doing great, man. So listen, you're you're stopping in on this topic. We're asking the question this morning: Gay rights versus Black civil rights. Uh, are they one and the same? What say you? No, they're not even a, a, a good comparison comparison of rights. And historically, even w- women's suffrage movement um, piggybacked on the on the rights of Black suffrage and separated themselves as soon as they could. Susan B. Anthony and those guys. Um, as you know, started kind of in upstate New York um, from the women's suffrage movement. And what happens is that we mirror, mirror everything to compare to black people. It is how the census data actually says Hispanics are the biggest minority, comparing them to black 
people where they don't include black Hispanics opposed to white Hispanics or white people who speak Spanish and black people who speak Spanish. Like, they won't break it down into race, but every time there's a compare tense on suffering, everybody wants to take um, this this comparative look to black folks and say that it's even. Now, losing about 100 million people is comparative to You can't compare that to anything. So it's not really a good argument. If you want to talk about, you know, um, um, behavior and how society accepts um, people who are gay or any of those things, that's a little bit different. But comparing them to black people, that devalues black people every time we compare ourselves to the Holocaust and all these other things. There's been nothing as dramatic on the planet as the suffering of Africans taken away from the continent of Africa, whether it's in Brazil, Mexico. The founders of Mexico was black. The George Washington of Mexico was black. And what happens is that when we don't look at African history and figure out how that works um, to, to devalue black people across the planet, then you don't really see how big the civil rights struggle was in this country and how important it is to black people in other countries. Nelson Mandela said that he listened to Sheik, you know, and, and Sister Sledge, We Are Family, Good Times, just to keep his spirits up, to know that there were some black people on the planet that was fighting against the, the system that was oppressing them. I don't think anybody knows that kind of suffering if you want to talk about how it connects to all of us. So I, I don't know where the comparison would be, but all I know is that they're, they're way off in topics, and I, I think we do it a kind of an injustice in in making a comparison. You know what? You know what? I really think I, I really think that that's a personal opinion. You have to ask someone. I, I, I believe it's a matter of, of of this situation here. Many people don't respect gays in the first place. Many wait people a minute. What what feel, what part is a personal uh, opinion though? Because it's a personal opinion, whether you feel that, that you cannot compare or it, the, the struggles don't compare. Because if you ask the gay person who, who maybe is white or maybe white or black or whatever, you may find that their struggle, their response to the struggle that they're having right now is, in fact, very similar to someone who was back in slavery who was also living in fear. You will okay. Find well, that. well, but you it, know what? Really, I do want to really say this. It's really a combination of a combination there. I, I I understand what you're saying, but I'm saying you're belittling it by saying that in our humanity that we don't feel the same. That is true. That's like saying that since we're all human, we all know some type of oppression, right? And so clinical psychologists go through this, right? At, at a at a really rich kid who parent won't let them use their car feel just as traumatic as a person that cannot eat. That, that those thoughts are very real in our psyche. And so to make the comparison that one struggle is worse than the other and all of that other stuff is just academic, right? We're not talking about academics. We're talking about historical references and scale. And that's all I'm saying. That's not in a personal opinion. That is by scale. And so I'm saying we can nitpick every part of life to make them relevant to see how they feel as a black person opposed to feeling as gay. I wouldn't know unless you were a black gay person. It's like saying to men that we don't understand how women feel. Of course we don't. Like, you know, that's not, that, that's not a personal opinion. There's no way that we can feel what somebody else feels. But I'm saying in comparison to make me feel how the kids in Calabine felt or how 
somebody else felt in another country or how Jewish people feel yeah. is kind of crazy. That would be my opinion to say that I, I understand how they feel because it's like this. I don't know that. No, that would be personal. I, no, but, but what I'm saying here is this. Their struggle is significant to them. And, yes, ours is public and ours is a history. We have a history long. We have, we have come from far and we have been through very much. Yes, we have. And the, 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 the severity of it, yes, it is, ours is publicly on a much larger scale. I, myself, am not a gay woman. So I cannot say personally that I can feel exactly what a gay person has been through. But I will say this. Their voice is the way their voice is because there is a struggle within their own time. And that struggle is severe, very severe. Many of them fear their lives every day. Okay. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two is the caller number. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. You're listening to the serious side of the Jay Rouse Show. It happens every Sunday morning, right here on the TGR's Radio Network, online radio, and it's fast. It's uh, t- almost twenty minutes after the hour. We're talking about gay rights versus black civil rights. Mr. Elias, let me let me ask you a question here now. Uh, when you when you make this comparison, when you have this conversation with you know gay people, uh, and you say, I don't think there's there's really no comparison. I mean, you can't sit here and say, and I think Jerome, you know, framed it perfectly. You can't sit here and say when you lose so many people during, the, you know, the civil rights, you know, during slavery, the civil rights struggle, the whole nine yards. I don't think there's a comparison. But if you make that comment, a lot of gay people will say, wait a minute, you don't understand our plight, then you don't understand our mission. I mean, is that unfair for them to say to us? that you don't get it because this is just as important as the black civil rights movement. I, Jay, um, I guess I'm, I'm torn on this one, man. Bottom okay. line, man, uh, is that being black is not a choice. And I know Princess Adelia, uh, Dr. Princess Adelia is saying that being gay is not a choice. I, I couldn't tell you that. I, I couldn't tell you that because I, I'm not a gay man. But the bottom line is, you know, we were hung, we were beaten, we were taken away from our parents. We were, all these things happened in, in our plight uh, of civil, uh, of black, being black, man. And our civil rights were taken away from us, whereas that the fight that we had to go through to get just uh, our civil rights, man, was just far greater than than what the gay community is going through. Maybe I don't understand it. Maybe I'm speaking out of turn, but, I, I, you know, I don't see, you know, at their marches, dogs being released on them or water hoses, you know, people getting squirt, uh, hit with water hoses, man, or, or, you know, that nature. But once again, man, it's just <laughs> but, 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 but do you want, you know what? There are a lot of teenagers, our young people that are gay, that go to school and are afraid to go to school, they're beaten, they're killed, they're suicidal. The death rate of, of, gay, of the gay community is, is consistently growing, I must say. So you have an instance and a situation here where, yes, there is a people that, unfortunately, theirs is not as publicly known nor respected to even be made so public or made aware of just similar to the bullying. I mean, the community, if you would, of bullying. Now there's a rallying campaigns everywhere. 
so everyone understands we're going to fight against bullying. Well, gays are, you know, a lot of times their battle was alone and silent more so because people don't, many people don't even respect who they are to begin with, let alone to fight, to, to even respect their battle or struggle. Most but, but you know what, them. Doctor, I think you're, you're proving our point here. And what I mean by that is this, is that for, let me ask you a question. Has a gay person ever been denied the right to vote because they were gay? Okay. They may not no, have no, been denied. It's, it's, it's either yes or no. Is that yes or no? I would, I would say it would be against the law for them to, but a gay person has been denied a job or a gay person has been denied to come well, and eat, but, a rest, eat at a restaurant. Yeah, but, 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 but wait a minute. But see, but once again, it goes back to, an, and like I said, Kathleen, this, she's proven my point. My point is, is this, is that we're not saying what gay people are going through is not wrong. It's not an injustice. We're not saying that at all. But when you sit here and try to say that, you know, gay rights are on the same level as black civil rights, I don't think there's an argument. But I know right now, as soon as this show's over with, I'm going to go check the email the email box, and here it is, the jrileshowatlive.com, the jrileshowatlive.com, and I'm going to get hate emails from people saying, you, you just don't get it. <laughs> Well, you're asking to, uh, the conversation that you're having with Dr. Princess Ozilia does Absolutely. prove your point, and it, and it, it does point. prove your point, because if they're saying that we don't get it, yeah, you're right. We don't get it. I don't get it anyway, because if you, if you want to, when we're talking about civil rights, we are talking about civil rights that are constitutional. We're talking about the, the right to vote. Now, uh, Dr. Princess Avelia is saying that they may be denied the right to eat at a restaurant, you know, maybe one restaurant here, there, or whatever, but we were denied the right to enter into, you know, systematically what, had, what happened to us. We had to fight, lose lives, be imprisoned, and everything else for the right to exist as human beings in this country that we were brought to as slaves. The, 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 the conversation is not equitable. And I and someone in the chat room is saying, you know, so what difference does it make if they want to say it's the same as black rights or gay rights? It doesn't take anything away from the black movement. You know, maybe you think so. But I think that it does diminish the black movement to say that this is just as simple as, you know, my right to be able to marry a woman if I wanted to. And, you know, it, it's just not the same thing. And I think it does take something away from it. I think it is a. I think it's something that you know it may be personal as to whether it bothers you or not. But just like Jerome said, if you're going to look at historically, you're going to look at facts. And just as I mentioned earlier, what we had to go through to be able to exist here made it easier for all kinds of other groups who want to use a civil rights discussion to say to to be able to even have that discussion. But what we are talking about with regards to civil rights for African Americans, for black people, and the thing is that the struggle for black people in America is not over. It's not over. So we are still fighting to make sure that we're looked at equitably in this, regarded equitably in this country, and our contribution to the United States of America is recognized. We are still fighting for that, and we'll continue to have this conversation for years to come, I would imagine. Okay. okay. I, 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 I have to say another thing. Yes. Just as the, the 
gentleman in the chat room called her today. Right denied or right denied, does it matter which right? I'm going to say something and compound that on with our President Barack Obama and his strategy and approach to the people of America. And what I feel when I'm listening to President Barack Obama as he speaks and directs the people, people will break down to individuals the individual needs of the people. When we're talking about rights, if we're talking about our struggle with slavery, at the point in which we even had rights, okay, to to fight, that we were even in the position to fight and have some rights, we were at that point where we had been free from slavery and we were trying to pretty much bring into play what laws had been told to us that were in place, which was our freedom. So we fought for those rights that we had been finally given. We can take it way back to when we were taken away and we were then here. But let's deal with from the point in which time we had right to fight. Each individual has has had their own battle and struggle in their own situation, whether it be the black race or let's talk about the gays. There are gays that have struggled very similarly to some of us individually in the black race. So when they talk about their struggle, their struggle is not only externally to fight the the laws and people saying things against them and um, their lives being threatened in certain areas, etc., but it's also internally. And, again, because it is the case that many people don't even respect that they have not made this choice and that this is who they are and they were created to be, therefore they're just trying to be them, There's, there, I believe, is why there are so many people who do not feel that there is There's a struggle at all. 347-850-1272 is the number to call in. We have a caller, and this is Universal Moore. Go ahead, Universal Moore, with your uh, comment. Peace, everybody. Uh, I'm really appalled at what I'm hearing. And there's a strange mix of unclarity among the definition of what gay is. Now, I don't want to offend anybody. But just look at yourself. There's someone that acts just like you that is gay. There's someone that acts just like you that is not gay. So what you look like and what you act like has nothing to do with being gay. First and foremost, let me make this statement. All gay or homosexuality has to do with is what you do with your private parts. If you have two sticks... That's a homo. It means same, sexual. The sexual act of two of the same sexual organs is the only thing, the only thing that makes you gay. Because I know a gentleman in Las Vegas, 
he works two hours a night. He does shows in Las Vegas. You would see him on stage. He looks and sounds just like a woman. And when he's done with his set, he leaves with his wife and teenage kids and goes to a restaurant and enjoys family time. He is not gay. There's nothing. The way he dresses and the way he acts has nothing to do with what he does with his penis. Now, the second thing I would like to say is what you do with your penis or your vagina is your personal business. The fact that you know sociologically the mindset that we live in, you're not going to change anybody because you're different, okay? You can't expect anybody to change because you're different. Now, if people are taking your rights from you, they're taking their rights from you, not from your gayness, not from your homosexuality. It has nothing to do with what you do behind closed doors with your private parts. So this gay lifestyle is nothing but a grafted mentality to keep division amongst people. It is used as a tool and a device to polarize people. If we deal with love, then we'll finally see what it is we're dealing with. And that's for people who are not gay and for people who are gay. I've had many comments with people who are gay talking about, well, why gay people should be able to get married. Excuse me, gay people should not be able to get married because marriage is an institution that was created for a man and a woman. If you want by to create law. an institution that was... Huh? I said by law, but you have well, to consider yeah, well, yeah. their rights. And, that, and that's important. And that's important. It is by law because 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 we create the law from our own experience. So okay, we can say that man, now, but but guess what? Years ago, we weren't a part of the law, and they were just by the law, and we had to fight for our rights. So when you're talking well, about them as individuals, yes, it is true. true. It is. True. No, it's not true. We we have always well, we been a part of the law. Right. But we choose, but we choose not to be ignorant manner. of thought. I mean, not how many people do you know manner. walking around know the 14th Amendment? And, and they're walking around and living their life with a 14th Amendment status and are not nationalized. You will be okay. subject to the corporate entity if you do not claim your nationality. Once you claim your nationality, you realize you are living in the matrix. The police stop you and you tell them, I don't have a name, I have a title because I'm nationalized, and they know that now I'm dealing with color of law when I deal with this person, so I must leave them alone. Now, let me get back on topic. Uh, the, the gay thing, as far as somebody being uh, uh, born gay, that's a lie, and I can prove it on many occasions. Being gay is a mental choice, and the only person that I probably would have an argument with, and I will only argue with that person, is a hermaphrodite. Now, the reason why I say it is a choice is because, one, two gay people cannot have babies. Too. When you talk about gay being in the genes, it has nothing to do with the genes because in our genes, you know, just about every every is every codec in our genes to to, to 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 perform anything that our bodies need to perform. So for somebody to say that this person has the gay gene, it's not the gay gene because genes are not controlled by genes. The genes are controlled by epi- the epigenome. The epigenome is what controls and turns off genes and turns this gene on and turns this gene off. It's the epigenome. The epigenome is controlled by the mind. So whatever mind state is created is what shows up in your DNA. Universal. I'm going to say this to you. The gay people, this is, for what you just said, that's exactly why they're fighting. Because many of them know differently. I've had a couple, a few shows on on homosexuality, etc., one show, I had a combination of five people that were all gay on my show, 
some were teenagers, and then there were adults. And I'm going to tell you, every last one of them had the same conclusion of when they derived their, their realization of being gay, being different. And every last one of them had the experience when they were around five or six. They weren't trying to have a mental situation. They were confused. Some of them, didn't. they were confused when they realized through religion that they were wrong, quote, unquote, that they had a problem because they thought that it was normal that they were feeling that they were interested in the same sex. I'll say this to you because we are going to shortly have to go to, go to break. Yeah, we're going to have to step out here. Let, let, let's go ahead and finish your thought. That'll be the last word on this set. And Universal, you can, you're more than happy to hang out with us if you like. Go ahead and finish your thought. This has to be the last word. We have to move on. Go ahead. So I, I, I just want to say this. Those individuals did not make that decision. That was them. At the end of the day, we all are individual spirits that has no gender. A spirit has no gender. And that's all I can say. And anything else, we have to go into further discussion. We shouldn't pass judgment, and I believe because of the opinion of who gays are and how they have a right to be or not to be, I think that draws the conclusion as to why we feel that their rights are not as important as, uh, as the black rights, black civil rights. All right, that has to be the last word. I tell you, boy, the show is starting off like the way I anticipated. All right, folks, look, coming up second set, we're talking political theater. Now that the deadline is almost taken care of, what has all this nonsense caused us to think? You're listening to The Serious Side. It's Sunday. Keep it right here. We'll be right back. This is your resident map of the South, Mom to Little Donna, kickstarting your weekend every Friday with Ladies First Ready of the Gay Route Show. A show for women, by women. Tune in every Friday, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, as my co-host, Princess Odelia, and I discuss everyday issues and offer inspirational solutions. From the East Coast to the West Coast to all over the world, Ladies First Radio keeps it real, spreading positivity one show at a time. So come be uplifted with Ladies First Radio, the J-Rouse Show. Every Friday, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's Ladies First Radio, the J-Rouse Show. A show for women, by women. Oh, 
theater and the debt ceiling crisis. We are, be- we are being had. That's the latest. Uh, also, uh, uh, an economy destroyed. The enemy is Washington. 38 minutes after the hour, you're listening to the serious side of the Jay Rouse Show. Happens every Sunday morning right here on the TGRS Radio Network. And we're glad you're in with us. Along with Kathleen Williams, uh, Jerome Esprit, Mr. L.E.S., and Dr. Princess O.D., and Universal Moore's sitting in with us as well. We'd like to welcome you to the show. We're talking about political theater right now, with the debt ceiling crisis just looming as the days and times tick away, Jerome. We're in a situation where now people are saying, you know what, this was all political posturing, this is political theater at the highest, we're messing with American lives. What say you? Well... It was, it's been political theater since the beginning, and I think that's the only thing that the Republicans can actually use against their president to hold him hostage to whatever their plans are for this country. And um, I, one lesson I think everybody probably should take from this is um, the argument that they're having about raising the debt ceiling has nothing to do with the debt ceiling. So just fundamentally, the debt ceiling is is like having a credit card interest come due 
and you have to pay the interest, but you said, well, since my interest brought me over $500, we're not paying it anymore. It's money that's already been spent in 2001 through 2008, and we're paying interest on it. We're paying interest on the $700 billion of um, tax breaks that Bush gave um, um, the top 2%. We're paying for the two wars, and we're paying for all of the money that was spent uh, after our surplus from the Clinton years. So we're just playing interest on money. And I think the argument that they're making about cutting Social Security, which is paid for, and Medicare, which is paid for, and health care reform, which is paid for, we don't understand because I don't think the news is doing a good enough job of explaining the fact that health care reform reduced the deficit by $150 billion, and over the next 10 years it will save us $1.3 trillion, and it will take, take $3 trillion off the deficit from health care reform. So if you repeal it, all of that money goes back into the debt. And that's all the money that's been saved. So I don't think the question or the argument has been formed well enough that people understand what's going on. But since it is political theater, one thing to take from this is is that Republicans will sink this country just to get rid of a president. And next time you go vote, go vote to get those guys out of there. You know, Kathleen, he brings he brings up an excellent point. I mean, at some point in time, you know, political theater can cause people, you know, so much in the long run. And all this political posturing, I mean, you know, you mentioned it last week when we talked about uh, political uh, theater and the fact that these guys are playing with the livelihoods of millions and millions of Americans. It's just ridiculous to see this nonsense go, go on. I agree with you. It is ridiculous. But, you know, we one of the things that I come to realize all my years is watching politics and watching uh, the what goes on with regards to political parties and the differences between political parties, particularly Democrats and Republicans, is that political theater is what makes the world go round. This is what they do. And so it, it doesn't make any sense for us at this particular stage in our lives to think that it's going to be any different. The one thing that we can do is expose it. And I applaud the president for one, even though, you know, at some point people may say, okay, well, he's involved, he's in the game, so he's involved in the whole political, he's on the stage. Mm -hmm. uh, but essentially, he is the one that pointed all of this out and probably coined that phrase most recently or recoined it for us to say, you know, this really is theatric and this is what we're dealing with. And it's up to us on shows like this and all the shows, you know, everybody here is represented, has a show or program, to talk about the fact that, talk about the facts, period. You know, letting people understand that this debt ceiling has been raised, what, some six, 74 times, uh, about once every eight months or so. It's been raised, and usually we don't hear a whole lot about it unless, we see a division in uh, Washington whereby the Republicans and the Democrats are posturing so that they can win more seats, win more votes, make more money, and be in charge, right, run the world. So essentially that's what's going on, and it, it is. It's tiring. It's tiresome, and it will continue to be that. But bottom line, we better pay those bills. I'll tell you that much. So the big theory is going to have to be raised. So, I, you know, we're all waiting to see how it's going to turn out, how it's going to shake out. 
hopefully a deal will be reached over the weekend because Tuesday is the deadline day. You're listening to the serious side of the J. Rouse Show. And, of course, we have a part of the show that's called Chatterbox where we encourage you to write comments in the chat room for our final thoughts. So we want you to get your fingers busy so we can have some material for Chatterbox. But, Mr. Elias, you know, once again, when we talk about political theater, and you sit back and think about this nonsense that goes on. You cannot talk to a Republican or a Democrat, more Republicans than Democrats, but you can't talk to them or give them a straight interview. I was watching an interview with CNN uh, yesterday, uh, yesterday. I think uh, uh, Chet Lemon, he was actually talking to uh, Rand Paul, one of the Tea Party senators, and he asked the guy straight up, listen, let's have a conversation, just me and you, no talking points whatsoever. Well, the first thing that came out of his mouth, talking points. It's like everyone's on message. It's about, you know what, every opportunity we get, we're going to knock the other party down because, you know, we're playing this political theater for all to see. And it's just disgusting. And it makes your stomach turn at some point in time because they cannot understand what's going on for the people. You know, they were voted in for the people, by the people. And it just seems to me that once they get into Congress, it's all about them and their extreme right or the extreme left of their parties. What say you? Well, Jay, uh, I think that people should remember what's going on right now during election time and, and do their damage to get these people out. I mean, the bottom line is it's true. I, I, I see both parties sticking to their guns. And uh, it, it, when it stops becoming about the people, then we as the people need to get you out of there. I mean, we really need to get some of these people out of office because, you know, my God, man, this, this, is, this is going to – to affect a lot of people with uh, housing and, and everything else. So why are we playing these games? Why? Well, I think Jerome said it best. They'll bring down a nation just so they can get rid of this president. They don't care about the people. What they care about is their own political party, and that's that's the damn shame. Well, let me let me play Doctor uh, Princess Odilia here, and I'm going to allow her to play herself here in a second. But let's really the bottom line is, matter of fact, let me go to you, Doctor. Is it fair to say that it's all about knocking down the president? Is it a situation where, hey, listen, this is what they truly believe in, and you know what? Come hell or hot water, we're going to stick to our beliefs. I mean, so can we say? Can we just say, oh, this is about knocking the president off his perch? Or this is about making sure that he's a one-term president? You know, that's what this is all about. It has nothing to do with our true core beliefs and what we represent for our, con- our contingency. What say you? I say, I say that is the case exactly. Last week, this is political theater, and also they are willing to do whatever it is to oppose the president. And in this case, in this manner, by them doing, not allowing for the debt ceiling to be raised, they are in fact going to knock down everything that the president has put in place to help the people because that's not their role. And in their role of political theater, they are on the stage, front and center, and they are really playing their part. The question is, which they have done, it seems, in in some other cases, where are they going to take this right to the gate and then pull back just to to arouse the people and put on a good show? Or are they going to actually go through with the restriction? I mean, that is a very troubled thought here. So who knows? Who knows how this stage will go? Who knows? Because the bottom line is this is about their dislike against 
President Barack Obama. It is very cool. Let me go to the political strategists here on the panel. So, Jerome, I'll, I'll pose the same statement or question to you that I posed to the princes. I mean, can, can we can we literally say that everything that the Republicans are doing, this is all about making the president look bad and not the fact that they actually believe in some of this nonsense that they're proposing? Well, I, I can tell you how, how outrageous it is, is that they actually attach – um, a constitutional amendment which takes two thirds of the countries to uh, of the of the states to vote on to adapt. They attached it in their portion of this bill, and um, that is that's unheard of. Like you know, you can't do that, right? And that has not happened, but you know, a very few times that we can amend to the Constitution. But more importantly, I think the president has to to refer to the Constitution to invoke his Fourteenth Amendment rights, and he's going to raise it anyway. I mean, I think the bottom line is that he needs to – he is obligated to do by right for the country. And so since, um, since the country – well, I'll, I'll put it this way. Um, Congress was intentionally sit, set up this way for gridlock, by the way, um, when the country was founded. And they wanted bills to move through slowly so that it doesn't impact folks immediately and they can actually um, – it can have time to filter out to the other states. Right, and so during the colony times, they wanted to, that information to filter down, so they had enough time to figure out if these were good or bad laws. So gridlock is inherent into into Congress, but the president can override first and then send it to Congress, and so he's going to have to figure out a way to just raise it and then have those arguments because their arguments are about something totally irrelevant to the problem. Now, Congressman Ryan, I, I think he's at Ohio. I think said it the best when he said they, they're not even um, coming forth with goodwill. They really just don't want the president to have a win. And the debt ceiling is not, uh, is not even a valid argument. The debt ceiling is not even anything to argue about. And they made it such a high argument that it cuts into their base. Wall Street doesn't like it because they are going to see high interest rates all of the states don't like it because they are going to have high interest rates on the treasury bills that the other countries invest in, and other country markets are going to be affected by what our credit rating is. And so this is a big problem globally for us not to raise our debt ceiling, but at the same time, the Republicans are actually holding hostage something like Medicare or something and, and Social Security. I mean, that's how petty it is. It has nothing to do with it, but they're holding hostage because this is the only chance to press this president. And as you can remember, when the Republicans took the House when Clinton was there, they actually impeached him. So I think they're waiting for the president to override um, going through the 14th Amendment solution, and then they're going to impeach him in the House like they did Clinton, and then we're going to go into 2012. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two is the call in number three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. It's the serious side of the Jay Ross show. Happens every Sunday morning right here on the TGRS Radio Network, and we're broadcasting live on WCWK Radio. About five minutes left in the set. We're talking about political theater, and because of what's going on with the debt ceiling, with the deadline just days away, uh, you know, we're, we're saying this is ridiculous and this is political theater at its best. Now, Doctor Odilia, what say you in regards to this topic? Well, I will say that I, I am very firm that what we have here is political theater. It is very discouraging um, to see how much time 
our office, our government has to take on this this charade. And and it's and it's very it's very uh, it's just sad. It's really 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 sad because you have now a lot of American people who were coming to a point of, of building up their hopes, etc. Now they are really starting to walk around in fear. I was just listening to someone in the store the other day, and they're just thinking, we're doomed. You know, what's going to happen to my grandmother? What's going to happen to this and that? You know, and this is the type of thing that President Barack Obama has really stood very strong for, and that is for us. He has stood strong, and I'm, I'm not talking about us as in black people, us as people, regardless of whatever race that we are. And unfortunately, part of the disparagement, the, 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 the way the Republicans are feeling against President Barack Obama and mm-hmm. have never been in operation, never been the type of people to really be for the people. It's been run as a corporation, as a corporate structure, and we remember, and that's it. And this is one president that is saying, I'm here for the people, and they want to knock everything down that he does. And it's very, very clear and sad that that is the case. So let's see how, how the play ends. We don't know. <laughs> You know, Mr. Elias, there are a lot of uh, progressives who are saying, look, the president is not sticking to his guns. I mean, this is crazy. He's given up too much in order to, you know, to really, and some people are saying, to accommodate not only the Republican Party, but the Tea Party. What say you? Well, Jay, in some instances, yeah, I think when he was talking about messing with Social Security and Medicare, he is giving up too much. Once again, the Republican Party is not going to tax the, the, the wealthiest people in the world or want to even touch their, their tax base, but here you, you want to mess with the poor people. Again, I mean, I, you can't give that up. You can't. You cannot give it up. Universal Moore, you've been quiet. What say you in regards to this topic? Well, I mean, Jerome's dead on, and uh, I really don't have too much to say, but uh, stop being a corporate entity. You're a human being. So when you step outside of this, then things really start to work for you. You know, I, I don't worry about these things. I have silver. I've been collecting silver for the past eight years now. So I don't care about a dead feeling. It doesn't bother me at all. And I feel as though that we all should have that same feeling. Whatever they want to do to to to, to position us into their next evolution you know, outside of our control or what we have to say about anything, you know, what they position us to make this next evolution, you know, uh, 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 this situation in this scenario is just so that we will be more accepting of it. And I'm like, this, I, I don't want anybody telling me that this is not going to come, you know, because if you have somebody in control over you like that or you have their money controlling your life like that, then you're not in control of your life. So... It is a theater, and politics to me is uh, filled with the best actors, you know, and, and me as an, as an African-American, because I can only speak from my experience, then we didn't have any politicians, and we didn't have any uh, 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 back in the day, you know, we had to kill people to get our rights, to get our way, or be killed. 
And now we have all of these politicians, and we even got a black president, and we have so much, but we're absolutely powerless. And we're losing power more and more and more and more as, a, as 14th Amendment citizens every day in America. See, I like the fact that Jerome is using terms that I know are flying over a lot of people's heads. But Jerome knows about what I'm talking about. I'm almost sure he knows about what I'm talking about. And you spoke on it with the 14th Amendment and what Barack can do for the 14th Amendment. But, I mean, there, there, there it is again. We're still functioning as corporate entities. There will always be problems. There has never been a utopia ever. And, and as long as we rely in politics of which we have no control over, I mean, it's just going to get worse. Beautiful segue into Jerome. Jerome, I'll give you the last word on the set. Yep. Well, you know, in, in the portion of the Fortune Amendment that he's talking about, and I agree, we're, we're just talking about, and not in the political theater sense, but in the Fourteenth Amendment, it says that no state shall deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process, nor deny any person within its jurisdiction equal protections. But also farther down, it talks about, and, and there was a ruling in 1935 about this that says that Congress cannot. Um, stop the presence of the du the duties of the president from paying the bills of the United States. Once we're, once we're obligated, he's the chief operating officer, and he has to pay bills. And so Congress, that is that's a political maneuver, and we shouldn't even have this discussion. He should just invoke it and be done. Well said. And on that note, it's time to take it to the third phase, folks. All right, coming up next, we're talking about something that I know that's going to get very heated. Our black mega churches more concerned about saving souls or making money are they dangerous for the black america folks it's coming up next on the serious side keep it right here we'll be right back my best friend's sister she had a lot of friends just not enough time so she got really good at texting while driving i mean she was amazing but ever since the accident everything has changed she still has a lot of friends, but now she has no time. Texting while driving is dumb and it's deadly. This is a test. Uh, as we jump into the second set with laughter, a hearty laughter from Tyler Styles. Welcome back in, folks. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. A show for women, by women. Is your resident map of the south, my little daughter. Good Sunday morning to you, folks, and welcome into the serious side of the TJRS broadcasting live from the Smooth Jazz Jazz Cafe. Welcome back. You are tuning in to the True Purpose De Development Show tonight. We you are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. Network. Network.
was something in the news of Bishop Eddie Long from New Bird uh, Church in Atlanta. He was accused uh, by four boys of, of molesting them. Right. And he said he was going to fight like David fought Goliath. Right. He was going to be vindicated. Mm -hmm. He settled out of court with these boys. Mm. And now I have a problem with that because I'm a single mom. I'm a Christian. As a Christian mother, we take our sons to these churches for men who say that they want to raise up young boys as godly men. If you settled out of court, if you are a man of faith, why would you settle out of court? If you are, if you have God and you have innocence, those are the most two powerful things you have. David fought Goliath and he won with God. So you know what that tells me? That tells me there was something inappropriate going on because you settled out of court. Five minutes after the hour, it's the serious side of the J. Rouse Show. Happens every Sunday morning right here on the TGR's radio network, online radio at its best, of course. Coming up a little later, before we go, a quick look at uh, stories that made the headlines this past week and Chatterbox. Final thoughts from the chat room. It's time to get into our final set. We're talking about black mega churches. And the question that's posed, and I'll start the conversation off with you, Dr. Princess Odea. The question is, are black mega churches dangerous for black America? No, I don't believe they are. No, Why not? I don't believe that it's dangerous. I, I, I myself um, attended, uh, my last, last church I attended was a mega church. Okay. And I have to say that was my that was the intro to who I am today. It was the intro to my course to enlightenment, and it was great. I raised my children there, and it was great. I have to say that it was definitely not a very common situation as far as the teaching and as far as the, the togetherness and love that oftentimes is um, not common within a mega church. okay? So that is the situation there, that, that oftentimes um, people lack the togetherness within a megachurch. And, and, and it, was, it was a very great experience and life for, uh, for people there. And I, I don't think that it's a detriment. I think that we'll have, a, we'll have to talk further on in the, in the segment on some things that are an issue, and those issues are regardless of mega or small. Okay. All right. What about you, Jerome? What, what, what do you think about this? When we talk about this whole thing, when we say the word dangerous, and we're not talking about, I don't think, anything life-threatening, but the bottom line is, you know, you heard Sherry Shepard from The View, her lead-in into this set, the fact that, you know, a lot of, especially single mothers, rely on these men uh, to, you know, give their, their, their young boys guidance. And in most cases, well, not in most cases, but there are cases where these pastors of these mega churches uh they abuse you know their position now and i know what people are going to say you know they do this in white churches as well that's you're right but i'm talking about the black mega churches what say you well um what first thing never get your information from the view <laughs> sherry shepherd's not a good person to uh have perspective from but she is kind of correct on the fact that any institution that has we're, we're finding that in schools and all these other places now so any institution that um corrals children generally you probably have to watch out for and you should always have some relationship to your child to watch them in those situations black churches are just kind of an interesting phenomenon for us as black folks because that's where we get our politics even though we're not supposed to 
have politics and nonprofit arenas and all these other things. We as a community culturally react different, so it's very difficult for me to say in a really quick soundbite what the church should or should not do and how dangerous it is and not because we have a lot of broken people who need the fellowship. We have a lot of people who don't have perspective that need need to be in probably have some kind of um, – feel like the community. And so I can't tell them not to go because it's dangerous, but it is dangerous if you're getting abused in, in those settings. You know, Mr. Elias, one of the things that, you know, you know, you and I, you know, where we are as far as our relationship, but the bottom line is I know that uh, you won't attend uh, so many churches because you feel that the pastor's all about the money. You know, you know, any time you have a pastor that has a helicopter, you know, and to me that's always been funny when people try to justify that a pastor has a helicopter. Oh, well, he has multiple churches. He has to get to each place on time. You know, to me, you know, that's just me. I just think it's abuse. I think it's ridiculous. But, but I know, go ahead. Well, what do you have to say about this particular topic? I, Jay, I agree wholeheartedly, man. I mean, we have people out here suffering who can't pay their bills, who are homeless, who are uh, all these things that are, 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 and, you know, and, and when I hear a, a church member say, uh, well, the CEO of a, a company has that, well, a church is not supposed to be ran as a business. A church is supposed to be ran to save souls, to win souls to Christ. So if you're comparing what a CEO has and what your church has, I mean, a church is not going to be a business. The church is about saving souls and winning them to Christ. That's what I always thought it's supposed to be about. But, hey, maybe I'm wrong about it now. <laughs> Kathleen, what say you? Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, listen, first of all, because I want my own claim. I ain't mad at anybody who has me personally. Okay? Oh, man. You know, don't give me the lion. I really don't have a problem with that. If you, um, okay. uh, the pastors did not necessarily get, you know, it sounds to me as though people are making judgments about how much a pastor should make. If you all have that, you all want to have that conversation, then just throw a number out there and say, okay, well, pastors are not supposed to make more than $10,000 a year, $15,000 a year. I don't see anywhere in the rule book that says a pastor cannot be wealthy. You know, I, I, I just didn't see that mm. part. Okay. So if you guys have a problem with that, then let's have that conversation first. Because I don't think they stopped up and said, okay, I'm only doing this because I want to be poor and make sure that everybody in my congregation has enough money. The church, if you, you know, it's a business, right? <laughs> it no, it's not. And they're, they're running it like a, hey, a mega church is a business. If you don't run it like one, then it's not going to be successful. They have, right. and they have, and they have businesses within, the not, as many right. of them set it up as a nonprofit, but they also have uh, other businesses within their bookstores, there are other operations. Some of them have record labels. They have all kind of stuff. They're running businesses. So, uh, you know, and if they are running them successfully, they're going to make money. And if they're making money and they are on there having a, as a salary, then, you know, that salary is whatever they choose it to be. If you have a problem with that, then, you know, just talk about that um, and say so. But if they wanted to start, if they're making enough money to purchase a plane, 
without raising the debt ceiling, then, you know, hey, I don't see any problem with it. I don't see any problem with it personally. You know, if you do, if you have a problem with it and you think that people are actually in the church and not, you know, they are suffering as a result and they're being pimped, then that's another conversation and say that too. Because, you know, those, those are the little elephants that are in the room. That's what it sounds like people are saying. The pastors are pimping people and, and it's not right. And I personally, you know, don't believe that that is the case in all mega churches. I actually belong. I have always belonged to mega churches. When I lived in LA, I belonged to uh, uh, the mega church in South Central Los Angeles. I was. I belonged to a mega church in in Columbus, Ohio. I went to one, and the pastors have been black. The pastors have been white. They've been Latino. There are all kinds of stuff. And the two mega churches here in New York um, City. Dr. Bernard's church, I belong to his church, and Dr. Pastor Flake's church, Pastor Reverend Dr. Floyd Flake, I believe that's where I go to church uh, also. So I don't have a problem with it because I know what they're teaching, and they are also teaching the individuals in the church how to, um, you know, get out of a poverty mindset and make their own money. They are also teaching, so, so they also have salvation there and everything else you get from church and folks are fellowshipping. Think, okay, I'll, you know, you have to, you ask me. So, Dr. Roberts and Kathleen. Yeah, yeah, well, actually, we really, tell us how you really feel, Kathleen, this morning. 347 call in number 347 You can be a part of the conversation. We're asking you, are black mega churches dangerous, or are they good for black America? So now, you know, Dr. Prince Odea, what say you in regards to this? We've heard from everyone else. What, what do you have to say about this? Well, you know, I, I do want to say, say this. I, I want to say that we as a race, since we're talking, since the question is directed Black. We have for many years lived externally and from just doing what people say. We, we do what people say. We, 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 we believe who has money. We believe who's on the stage, who's on the pulpit, whatever it is. And we externalize everything, even in our approach to God. I would say this, it's not dangerous, it doesn't have to be dangerous, but it's dangerous to any individual who chooses to make that church or that pastor their God, the one that they worship, the one that, uh, that they bow down to and believe whatever he or she says. It's more so, I think it's more important for not just black people, but, but, but for all people to really go within and to realize exactly what Jesus said, which was the kingdom of God is within you. There's more power and knowledge within you rather than you externalizing it in, in between some brick walls. It can be inspiring, and there are some people um, that, that do run their corporation because, uh, Mr. Elias, I have to disagree with you. The church is a corporation, bottom line. It's not a corporation. 
If it's a corporation, okay, okay, how come they're not taxing it? You know what it is? You know what it is? It's you not coming around taxing okay. it. It's not a corporation. Some, some it's a, it's a, it's a tax you know why? Because it's a non No, because it's a non-profit it's a organization. Entity. Right, that's making mega money. Corporation. It's a non-profit corporation is what it is. <laughs> and, and as a non-profit wow. corporation that is a 501c3, all under different tax guidelines. Their grants and monies that are given are to be used for their philanthropist uh, mm -hmm. mission, and that's that. But they are and a corporation. The gents, no matter, and I mean, the wherever, however you say it. $33,000 a year, toilets, and, and, and the private jets, and the Bentleys, and all that other stuff. Guess so what? That's Guess not what? what a corporation does. I'm it's sorry. the truth that is it's the truth that sets you free, but it's also hard to receive oftentimes. And, and I'm, I, I, I hate to be the one to tell you, but the church is a corporation, and that's what people need to it's understand. About, and yet, that's and you not know what, what the Bible's yet, based on. The Bible's okay, based on the Bible says souls the church is within you. You're right. The Bible oh says the church is within you. The church is within me. Exactly. And it doesn't take money for you to win souls to Christ. According it does to the not Bible, take money to win souls to Christ. Uh, Are you uh, kidding me? Bible, oh, I, I, I just sat there and listened to that a few I minutes ago. That. Look, it, it's Mr. about winning oh, yeah. souls to Christ. It's about it's Mr. about bringing souls home to God. It's Why not about the, the private helicopters and all that other crap. And you watching your members uh, become homeless and, and desolate, and you're not you're not doing anything to help them. That's what it's about. It's about what helping you somebody you out. We're, we're talking about two different things here. You're talking about what it's about, and we're talking about what it is. So let's talk about what it's about. What yes, it's about is what to it be. must be what it is. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. But let's talk about some facts here about the entity in which all of these things are, that let's are supposed to facts. transpire. The, the let's facts, talk about the facts. facts. Okay, okay. Allow me to talk, and then I'm going to allow you to talk so that we can have a heard debate, okay? Bottom line, first of all, and then I'm just going to lay mine out, and then you can lay yours out. The church, first, a pastor becomes a part. He either sets it up or someone brings him in, however it can be. But the church is a corporation. It's a nonprofit corporation. That nonprofit corporation has a mission, purpose, and business plan like any other corporation. There are things that they must follow uh, along with their guidelines, etc., things that, 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 that in order for them to receive funding, etc., okay? When you see the mega churches, nine times out of ten, they have also received great grants, okay? They received some grants, and those grants have to be um, um, fulfilled, and they have to go through their fiduciaries, etc. I mean, it, it, it is a corporate entity. Some people run it wisely, some people don't. Some people actually do get into the business not for the purposes of their philanthropist mission, not for the purpose of where in which it was, in, it, it, as we know historically, it is supposed to be intended to be. That is true. So you have some people that come in for the money because it is a way to get paid. That's true. Not everybody okay. is living for its life. Unfortunately, okay. with their All right, Miss Elias, go ahead and make your point because I want to get Universal more in on this conversation as well. Go ahead, Miss Elias. Okay, so you're saying grants and and all these other things. So does a grant pay for a thirty thousand dollars, thirty-three thousand dollars toilet? Does a grant pay for a Bentley? 
doesn't grant pay for private helicopters, jets, and everything else that you have, that you're renting out to other people to make money off of. I didn't Look. say that. Let him finish, Dr. O'Dea. Go ahead, Ms. Elliott. The, 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 point, the point being is that they are misabusing this money. Look, there are churches out there who, are, who, who do great things out there. I'm not taking it away from them. But there are also churches out there who take this money and, and do whatever they want to, whatever they will to. And, you know, I know, I know pastors that have a black and a white Bentley, Phantom Bentley, set up for him and his wife. He lives in a 33,000-square-foot mansion. And you got people okay. in your congregation that are suffering. That's what gets to mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Let's let's bring Universal in. Universal, go ahead. Will you have anything to say in regards to this? Uh, yeah. Um, the, the the debate. You know, what 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 Prince is always saying to the other gentleman is basically, uh, you have to go with it on churches on an individual basis. Case in point, and solve you guys' problem. If you want to know if your church is a non-profit organization or they're a for-profit organization, uh, you go to Dun & Bradstreet. I've had several businesses. Dun & Bradstreet is a credit accounting uh, uh, agency. All uh, companies around the world that uh, have an uh, uh, EIN or, 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 or a fictitious entity set up as a company are registered with Dun & Bradstreet. Every for-profit company is registered with Dun & Bradstreet. So if you want to find out if your church is into that, uh, then you can go ahead and click on uh, 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 Dun & Bradstreet, put their church's name in the search engine, and if that church's name pops up, then they're not a non-profit agency. They're in it for the money. Now, when you get a, uh, uh, as far as the topic, as far as the topic, black uh, America uh, churches are the black churches of America are the most powerful force ever, and I say this because outside of the dogma, this is unity. This is unity on a mega scale. I'll tell you what the Mennonites do: Chinese Mennonites and Korean Presbyterians. Every member of that church gives two hundred dollars a week for a year. And for that year, they pick the best member for that family, and that family gets a cleaning store over here. And the next family gets a deli store over here. Mm-hmm. And they are progress as a whole. Now, everybody in the church has a business, and everybody in the church that has a business takes care of the pastor. The pastor has no need for a helicopter. If he needs to go somewhere, he gets on a plane just like everybody else. Now, I'm not saying that that person's not deserving of it because each is own. I'm not going to judge anybody. You know, I would say, you know, you know, would Jesus buy a helicopter? You know, but I can't really go that far because I think Jesus would have nothing to do with Christianity. But at any rate, this is unity on the whole, and I think the black church in America is one of the most powerful forces ever. If every black church was to get together and get nationalized, we could run the country. We won't need to question these politicians and question these people. Because if you understand the Constitution and what a religious organization is legally, you don't need to deal with government at all. You've got your own government, your own bylaws, your own Constitution, your own way of life, which is your right. 
And when you when 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 you profess to be a part of a religion, you are actually you know uh, uh, you, that is your nationality. Uh, if you want to check out the Christian Black Codes of 1724, I know Jerome knows about that. Uh, uh, but but honestly, Prince Odelia is is is, 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 is what she's talking about is the spiritual aspect of the black church. And you know I, I do take issue with you know you ride flying around above my head. And I'm I'm eating scraps out of the trash can. But we you know, we we we're the same people. We go to the same church and, and that helicopter can be three houses in a neighborhood where they don't have to pay mortgage. You know, that I mean I, I, yeah. I just it boggles my mind, you know, especially when Jesus say it's it's easier for a man to pass through eye of a needle or a camel to pass through an eye of a needle for a rich man to get into heaven. I mean, come on. Are we gonna be rich financially or spiritually? And when you get into mega church you're dealing with different demographics and different numbers okay. and I'm telling you, the the enemy comes at you even more. The financial institutions are on you even more because they say, hey, this is a mega church. They're getting millions. We have to track that and make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to do. And then they start birding and all of these other things to control that church. So, you know, I mean, it's a lot of issues here that we haven't touched on. But as far as my personal, the black church is the most powerful institution in the world. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two is the call in number three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. It's the serious side of the Jay Rouse show. It happens every Sunday morning. Once again, nine a.m. Central Standard Time, right here on the TGRS Radio Network, online radio at its best. We're talking about black mega churches. Are they more concerned about saving souls or making money? And we've gotten to a very spirited debate. Let me let me go to you, Jerome, because one of the things that when we talk about black mega churches, when we talk about some of these very powerful pastors, you know, I, I can see both sides of the debate, but I'm leaning more on the side of the debate that, once again, you know, here's a pastor. And I'll just give you an example of a church I used to attend. Big church here in the Houston area. Uh, they had this, and I can't remember the, the term that they used. It was one of these special offerings where they want you to give just a little bit more. It's one of those very special offerings. Just, you know, if you can give 20 $20, then you know what? Try to find a way to give $40 because that's what you're supposed to do. Then the very next week, they had the pastor on, on, on stage. They had mm-hmm. the first lady of the church. They sent her to Paris for a $10,000 uh, shopping spree. They sent the sons to Vegas to go have fun. They gave the pastor, uh, I think, $50,000 in cash. And once again, you have people in this church who are coming to church in clothes that are just so ragged because they can't afford to even buy decent clothes. But then you have the pastor in the pulpit with diamond, a diamond ring on his hand that probably costs more than their house. And so I understand what people are saying to a degree because, look, the pastor don't work for free. I can appreciate that. But come on. I mean, isn't this just nonsense? I mean, come on, Jerome. Right. You know, and I, I agree. Um, first, I want to say this about um, what Universal is saying because I, I actually like the question. The the um, quote that Jesus probably wouldn't be a Christian is probably true, and um, the the trick and and all of that, just like Elias said, is that when you go to church for your reason for going to church, for me giving an offering, I want it to go to the public good. I want it to go for works. And if um, exactly um, churches churches are entities, but they're not corporations you can spend a 501c3 off and so you can have corporations inside of churches and i think what happens is that 
when you go to church, you may not want to participate in spending off your money into funding entities. So you can look at um, churches that spun off universities, Oral Roberts and those guys. Yes, those are works for public good and service, but I'm sure those members knew that they were given to this big institution and not somebody shopping spree for $10,000. I'm sure they they knew the difference. But I want to say really quickly, a a friend of mine, his father, um, who passed, um, Edward Sim, said to to me one day, I was in in my 20s, me and two of his sons were sitting on the porch, and he said, you know what, when, when I was young, I was in the church, I followed Martin Luther King, but what I realize now is that in listening to what Malcolm said, that Malcolm was right. You guys have to be smarter. And I'm asking everybody here to be smarter. We can't go through and have the same old fights that we used to have. Churches are hustles like everything else. It's the fastest way in the black community to actually get status. And on and, and top of that, they're the most powerful thing on the planet because nobody controls them together in, in the whole spectrum. So it's the, it's the most powerful thing on the planet, but it can be used against you. I mean, watch the book of Eli on how the word will move people and go back to the Guyana tragedy where people believe that man because it was a business to him and he wanted them to have this, but, but he taught the word. We can get hustled in that. So I understand the problem, but there are so many things in there that we have to really start to consider why we go to church and what it is that you want your church to do. Pick another church. You know, and, and i tell you this, uh, uh, you know, there are some, and I remember I ran into this old man, uh, Kathleen. He, he mentioned to me, he said, listen, he said, I don't give my tithes to the church because of the preacher. He said, because the preacher has to answer to God for his or her own deeds. I give because that's what I'm supposed to do. I don't worry about when I give this money to the church, I receive my blessings. And he gave me this long list of things that has happened to him since he's given his tithes. And he says, I don't care what the pastor says. As a matter of fact, when I shake the pastor's hand, I'll slip him a $20 bill. He said, because I don't care about what he does. He's a man. He's going to be a man, and he's going to have his shortcomings. You cannot give to the church based on the head of the church. Now, I find that I'm not sure if, you know, I'm only human, and so I'm just looking at the fact that here I am driving what I drive, and here he comes pulling up in a Maserati, you know, but whatever the case may be. Do you subscribe to that? Are you a person that says, wait a minute, it doesn't matter what the head of the church does, because technically he's not the head of the church, he's just the head of that building. You know, Christ is the head of the church, God is the head of the church, and I'm giving my tithes based on what I've been instructed to do uh, versus, you know, via the Bible. What say you? Yeah, I I actually do agree with that, um, but with a with a little bit of a caveat, because the tithe okay. is the tithe is paid into the church based on God's word, Malachi three. So it, and it does say that you'll bring a tenth of your income into the church, right? And that is not based on the the pastor; it's based on God's word, right? So if you decide that you want to bring your tithe into the church, you know, because the pastor sneezed wrong or rolled his eyes or whatever, you were, oh, I'm not paying my tithe today. That's not how it goes. However, I am not an advocate of saying, okay, well, I know that this pastor happens to be abusing little boys. This pastor happens to be stealing from people. This pastor is telling people to drink grape juice, but you're going to continue to pour your tithe into that, into that church. I think you have a responsibility for making you know, sure that the place that you are 
giving your money to is not stealing it and misusing it. So I definitely think that we do have a responsibility as individuals to make a determination as to the church that we belong to and use mm-hmm. our heads. You know, I, just like, you know, I, I missed part of the conversation there. But if you are a believer in God and God's Word, then it's your responsibility to read it and know that, okay, I'm subscribing to something that I actually believe in. You can't go to some man and have them tell you what's in that book and then have them interpret it for you and you have no clue and you're just, you know, following along with, with no concept of what it is that they're telling you. They could be doing anything. They really could be tempting you and telling you that, oh, yeah, well, that's in God's word. You know, we have a responsibility to make sure that we're doing something that we actually believe in as Christians, as believers in God and fellowshipping and saints and all that other kind of stuff. Going to church blindly just does not make sense. And I think many people are responsible for doing just that. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two is the call in number. You're listening to the serious side of the Jay Rouse Show every Sunday right here at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time on the TGRS Radio Network, online radio at its best. Now, Universal Morning Out, you made some very decent comments in the beginning of the show, uh, in the beginning of the set, I should say, in regards to, you know, where do we go from here? I mean, wh- wh- so my point oh, really? is, I guess yeah. that's my question. That's my question. Where do we go from here? Now, you know, Kathleen brought up a very good point in regards to, uh, uh, you know, you give your tithes based on the Bible versus the person that's in charge, but at the same time, you have to be uh, smart about what you do. You just can't sit here and give monies to a church or an organization when you know that the head of that particular organization is involved in criminal activities or this person's just abusing monies and things of that nature. So that being said, do you agree with that whole assessment that you have to be smart with your times? Universal. Um, you talking to me? Yes. Absolutely, you. Uh, well, I mean, honestly, there's power in tithing. And if you check Dun & Bradstreet of, uh, of the church that you're going to, <laughs> make sure that they're not a for-profit organization or registered with Dun & Bradstreet, you're okay. Every time you tithe, that's a write-off. <laughs> so, I mean, it's so many. You see, when you're dealing with the money, you have to play the game. You have to play the game. Uh, it's just no way around it. Uh, if you're not using that, if you're using that money to help people, you have to play the game. And the game has to be internal in that church. So if you're tithing and no one's saying anything to you about those tithes, you know, because that's a gift. A gift is a write-off. And if they're a 501c3, like uh, Princess Zoe was saying, uh, whatever the prefix before their 501c3, 75, 23, whatever, what, if, 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 if they are... Uh, a, a, a non-profit organization, you can get that money back. Anytime you give money to a non-profit organization, they they can give you a tax ticket. They give you a fill out a piece of paperwork that says that you gave this much money to that organization, and it's a write-off. Do you know how much money you can get at the end of every fiscal year from your church from giving twenty, thirty, forty dollars? To that nonprofit organization, I know you guys. Somebody in here knows exactly what I'm talking about, and it can explain. Oh, for it sure, it's, it's a nonprofit organization. Therefore, you you get a write off. It's all it's all tax exempt. So, I mean, I I, I have something I want to say though. Universal, where where you've done, I I have to say this. I'm done, sweet. I'm done. You're done. Okay, I I wanted to say a couple of things. First, we talk about. 
you know, the Bible says give tithe to the church. I know the Bible speaks of tithing, but it was a long time before I realized, and this is for some of those of you who don't see any activity activity that's going on for the good, for the community or whatever in your church, and you've just been giving, 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 and you're, you're not feeling right within your own spirit. You are not responsible by the Bible. Um, I, I don't. The Bible doesn't say you have to give it to that church or anything like that. And I know there are many people who um, who don't even do not subscribe to following first the Spirit and for it to give you the knowledge and the wisdom of what you are reading in the Bible. But you can give to a not. You can give to a charity. Give your ten percent to the charity. The point is to give back. Uh, you know, technically the church is not between the brick and mortar. The church is within you. The place in which you go to receive your your uh, inspiration and your your spiritual to get gain knowledge for spiritual growth that is an entity. At the end of the day, I don't care how anybody looks at it. It is an entity run by individuals who are to run it. Hopefully. Um, professionally, okay, so I don't think being a corporation and church is a bad word. I think that if you are going to have the responsibility of of a congregation, then, yes, you need to have first your house in order, okay? They are the spiritual parents of you if that's what you choose, how you choose to worship. And I, I think that it's important for us to realize also that in this in this segment here, that as individuals, black people, like I said in the beginning, we have just been accustomed to following the rules however they come, and not very often do a lot of us go behind to validate what is being told to us. Not oftentimes do many of the black people really do what we are all required to do, which is to go to the church within which is to follow that spirit, which is what Jesus did so profoundly, which is why he was able to fulfill his purpose when he, when, when, when he was living. That was our example. So I think it's just very important for us to understand that in all cases, whether they're driving a Bentley, flying three jets, that's really none of our business. It, it, it's your business if you go to that church and you see that that, that pastor is not doing for the community. Now that yeah. right there should be a clear sign that you should probably break away. That's okay, not, let, that let is not how in. it should be. Okay, let me jump in real quick because I want to get your, you guys' thoughts on this in, in the last few minutes we have left. I guess my thing is when we say it's not our business, and I'll start off with you, Ms. Elias. We say it's not our business. I mean, let's get back. Let's forget about all the money that the churches are making. Okay, fine, whatever. Church and a religion is a business. I think I read somewhere that black mega churches combined are making over $400 billion. I mean, that's just insanely a type of money. But, but let, me, let, me, let me ask you this. Are we concerned about, there are a lot of people who don't go to church because they see this as a scam. They say, you know what, I'm not going to go to that church because the pastor is a crook. Black churches in general, the pastors are crooked. I mean, shouldn't we be concerned about, if the church's mission is to save souls, Mr. Elias, shouldn't we be concerned about that 
impact that it has on our on our uh, on our culture. Because you know, listen, we need help as African Americans, and we need to have a place where we can go. Remember back in the slavery days, church that was it. We used to meet there to get together and talk about how we're going to defeat slavery. We got together and did this during the civil rights movement in the sixties. The church was the hub for all this. Shouldn't we be concerned how people are looking at their church nowadays and be more concerned about that more than how much money the pastor makes? What say you? Well, Jay, Jay, you got more disenfranchised folks right now than ever, man, because they see what's going on. I mean, me being one of them, man, I was, I, you know, I was in the church, man, giving my tithes and offerings, man, and doing what I was supposed to in the church. I, I worked in the uh, the usher board. I worked on the soundboard. I did all these things, and then, you know, to 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 recognize what I was recognizing, and I was like, this can't be what I'm recognizing as. As far as, you know, what the pastor was doing, I was like, but then after every church I visited, and it was always about, you know you need to give, you know you need to give, you know you hey, if I'm a Christian, and I know my Bible, I'm going to give. So you don't have to reiterate that fact to me. You know, I know you might have to reiterate that fact to a, a new member that doesn't understand Christianity, but when you beat that fact home to a, 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 a seasoned Christian, man, it turns me off. Because the fact is, I'm watching you do what you do, and it's, it's not right, man. I, I take my tithes and offering and give them to somebody who needs them, like somebody who's struggling. That's what I do with mine. I don't know about <laughs> anybody else. Kathleen, I'll pose the same thing to you. Should we be concerned the fact that uh, the impression of the mega black church is turning you know, people off from religion? What do you have to say about that? I said the impression should turn them off from the prison system too. If we could get, to, if somebody could give me the dollar figure with how much money is being made by the prison system, I think it surpasses the yeah. amount of money that is brought in by mega churches every year. You know, if, if we could turn away from Bob Barker, who is the, probably the biggest manufacturer of all things that are sold to prisons, from the sneakers to the pants to everything else. I mean, you know, we got to pick the black church. Has something to be disenfranchised about or upset about because they're making money. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes it just makes me wonder because the one thing, the major thing that in the black community or the things in the black community where we see people making money, that's where we're going to attack it. And you know, granted, some some of them just like some white churches. We saw enough Tammy Faye Bakers and all those others that were televangelists that were making a ton of money on TV, a whole lot more crooked than the African-American ones that we weren't even on TV at the time. So, I mean, pick and choose your battle, but have, be educated about it. And if there is no call to be, you know, upset about a particular church, <laughs> then get off of it. You know, and if the, if the church is bugging you, that particular church is bugging you, or the people that are in there are telling you, you know, here's the $50 line, here's the $1,000 line, here's the $100 line, then maybe that's not the church for you go somewhere else. You know, but don't assume that, that everybody's a crook because they're a member of the black church and everybody's, you know, you know, riding on Jesus' back to make a dollar. I, I just don't feel that that's way. Exact, that's exactly right. Okay. Jerome, what about you? Same question. Well, you know, I agree, I agree with that, Wayne. You know, that's always a, um, a problem. I, I always have a, a hard time with these um, types of conversations because it, it's like me, you know, when you have a big voice and you start talking across-platform about um, 
particular specific ailments about the black community, people blow them out of out of proportion. And they say all black churches are no good, and he's a pastor, so he's no good, and got to watch up. That stuff is now that's dangerous, right? To paint black folks with a broad brush, but we're so conditioned to do that that every time we have a topic like this, we act like that that's not a greater societal problem. And um, so, I mean, I really do agree with her in just saying that. Yep, we have those we have those problems. We're not immune to those problems, but you know, other checks. Other um, churches collect more money. If you check out Mormons, they get 35%, and they have to be in good standing to actually go in the temple, and they actually mm. payroll deduct them, mm. right? And, and so when you when you go right, so when you go into a Mormon church, the reason that the Mormons um, who own um, all of these things from Ancestry.com and keeping all of these records, why they have so much money is because they're required to give. 35% of their money to the church and being standing. And so, you know, there, there are different church issues that happen um, in different communities, but I think in ours that the church, we shouldn't tear down the churches because we have some megachurches. Megachurches have their function. There are people who, who brag that their pastors have a plane. I mean, that's an element in our community that actually brag about what pastor has what and to buy a, one pastor a new car because another pastor got one. Like, that's, that's silly. So we do have ailments, but it's not really something that I think that we can highlight as um, problematic in the big picture. All right. Dr. O'Dea, I'll give you the last word. I, I do want to say this, that you are right by saying that we cannot make a, a bad assumption on all preachers that have what they have. I will say this. My pastor, that I, I when I went to the mega church, he had a jet. And he had several churches, and he was doing a lot for the community, and he was gifted that jet. I believe that when people do it with a good heart intent, their end result is prosperity in the financial realm and in all areas of our lives. So I, do, I, I, I am opposed to believe that all people, all preachers that are driving and living and flying well that they are doing bad. There are a lot of times people are given unto their bosom and they are blessed for the good seed that they have planted. And at the end of the day, each one of us should follow our spirit, follow the spirit of God that is within you, which is the church, which is the temple, and be guided by that. Do not feel bound by anyone's terms because they're in a pulpit and understand that you should follow your spirit so that you can be wise by what you read in the Bible that you are trusting as well. And that is my final word. All right. Thank you so much. But we're not done yet, folks. Coming up next, before we go, a quick look at some stories that made headlines and Chatterbox. Final thoughts for the chat room. Go ahead and put them in, and we'll read them on the air. It's the serious side. It's Sunday. Keep it right here. We'll be right back.
te sprawy związane z dalszym rozwojem województwa i kraju. The week that was in the news. I was told by Colts source that it's, it's equal to Tom Brady. That's equal is 18 million dollars a year times five years. That's the 90 million. I, I was able to do that. I did get my calculator out. <laughs> Uh, but uh, here's the thing. What's unique about this is that Colts owner Jim Irsay, for, for almost a year now, it says Peyton Manning will be the highest paid player in football. Last Monday, 11-year-old Selena Cass was in her New Hampshire home. Her family says she was on her computer. But in the morning, Selena was gone, and now a massive search is on to find her. Brian, law enforcement officials say an Army private who wanted out of the service because he's a Muslim plotted this attack, saying he wanted to, quote, get even with the military for the fighting in Iraq and Afghanistan. Investigators say his targets were fellow soldiers at the Army's sprawling Fort Hood. Texas police revealed today that they arrested Private First Class Nasser Jason Abdu yesterday at a motel near Fort Hood. In his room, ATF agents found enough explosives to make at least two time bombs. It's time for, before we go, a quick look at some stories that made headlines this past week. And Mr. Elias, man, being the avid sports fan you are and located in Indiana, Peyton Manning, man, big deal, $90 million over five years. What do you have to say about that? I hope they're able to put somebody around him is all I'm going to say about that, man. Really, $90 million? Jeez. A lot of money. Yeah. Let's, let's go to our resident expert on sports, Kathleen Williams. Kathleen, how do you feel about football being back, girl? Um, I'm very happy about that, but the $90 million, is he single? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> is he looking? No, I'm just looking. Oh, Christian right there. That's a silly Christian right there. Like, just in case, you know, Oh, my gosh, something's wrong with her. Okay, uh, so once again, it's always sad when you hear about missing kids. And here we have another situation, Jerome, an 11-year-old. She's missing. And I tell you, you know, what can we do to protect our young people, especially our young girls, from predators that are out there trying to just stalk them and kill them and do whatever to them, my God? You know, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think you can punish people enough for that, but um, that is a problem in this country for for eons and so we really just kind of have to develop a culture where if something looks out of the ordinary you just kind of have to you have to say something you know you, you know what I mean you have to keep a lookout for kids these days even if they're not your kids just take a look and make sure that they are safe or not in stress somehow yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Another soldier, another bomb, Fort Hood, Dr. Odilia. It's, is this a copycat crime or is this a situation where this guy is really upset with the United States for going to war with Iraq and, uh, and, and Afghanistan? What say you? I think that he's really upset. I think that based on, on what he, the energy he put into his actions, will definitely say that he is very upset and it's a personal thing. All right. And on that note, it's time for Chatterbox. Final thoughts from the chat room. Of course, I'll go first as always. And we have one from our visitor today, Universal Moore. I'll read that one for you. And he was talking about uh, gays and uh, civil rights amongst blacks. He says, people blur the lines too much. Mr. Elias, man, who do you have, sir? I have one from Miss Terry, our favorite listener. She says, I feel like this. If you're not comfortable giving to the church, pay someone's gas bill, help them out with their rent, etc. 
when you give from the heart, you'll always be blessed. Absolutely. I agree with that. What about you, Jerome? Who do you have? Yeah, I have one from Cultured. He says, my primary concern is personal relationships with the pastor. These pastors really only know those who give most. Yeah, so, you know, that's an excellent thought there. You stole my thunder. What about you? <laughs> uh, he did. He stole my thunder, God. Kathleen, who do you have? Um, I didn't have a chatterbox, remember, Jay, but, I, you know, I'll just say mine. But if you, a, a good friend of mine told me that you can never find abundance and prosperity in the midst of lack. So whether you're choosing your friends or your churches, you don't want to be tied to someone who's broke down. Oh, good thought, good thought. Now I apologize you did tell me that. And let's end it with uh, Dr. Princess Odea. Doctor, who do you have? I have Miss Terry. Making money is first and foremost in the black megachurches, pimping preachers. Pimping preachers. Oh, my God. Miss Terry, our favorite listener. All right, folks, we'll be back with our final thoughts. Don't go nowhere. One short break, and we'll be back to put a bow on it on the TGR's radio network. NPR News in Washington, I'm Giles Snyder. Congress is racing against the clock to find agreement on a plan to raise the nation's debt ceiling before Tuesday's deadline. The procedural vote had been scheduled overnight on Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid's proposal, but Reid has delayed that until later this afternoon to give negotiators more time to work out a deal. We can amend the underlying legislation that's here before us in the so-called message of the House. We still have time to do that. We have time to do that. We could do it tonight, and we could still meet the deadline on Tuesday. But we need to do it soon. There are reports of progress, but as NPR's Scott Horsley reports, there is no breakthrough yet. Now that a Republican House plan to raise the debt limit has been shot down in the Senate and a Democratic Senate version symbolically beaten in the House, leaders in both parties say they're trying to find common ground. Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell says he's been in regular contact with President Obama and Vice President Biden. I'm confident and optimistic that we're going to get an agreement in the very near future and resolve uh, this crisis in the best interest of the American people. Democratic Senate leader Harry Reid, however, says Republicans are not negotiating in good faith. Without a deal, the government could run short of cash as early as Wednesday. I'm Giles Snyder. This is NPR News from Washington. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Our mission is to provide the very best online radio experience. We appreciate your support. Well, folks, it's time for our final thoughts. And since we have a guest in the house, we're going to allow him to go first. Universal more, man, final thoughts. Uh, my final thoughts are real short and quick as every revolutionary has said wake up all right sounds good i like it short and to the point <laughs> kathleen final thoughts um i just i feel really strongly that we are in the midst of a paradigm shift paradigm shift in this country in the spirit realm and ethically morally everything is really being challenged so I want people to define their truth and really study it and pay attention to it. Don't allow it to shift without your conscious attention to it. Live your life true to yourself and live your best life. All right. Thank you so much. Dr. Princess Odilia, final thoughts? I am going to admonish everyone to go beyond the text 
pens, the pulpit, and any other external resource that you have, and to go within. Live by spirit and truth so that you can find the truth externally. Thank you. Well said. Jerome, final thought. Yes, sir. Yeah, I want to um, clear up my 14th Amendment, um, Section 1. I did Section 1 earlier, but Section 4, since we're talking about the public debt, it says the validity of the public debt of the United States authorized by law, including debts incurred for payments and pensions, are um, shall not be questioned. And in 1935, the Supreme Court ruled that voiding public bonds goes beyond congressional power. That's Section 4, 14th Amendment, and a case in 1935, Perry versus U.S., the United, United States. All right. Thank you so much, sir. Mr. Elias. I, I, I employ all our, uh, all our listeners and, and anybody that's listening to the show, hey, look at, look at what your representatives are doing. And in the next election, make them feel what they're doing. Let them know what they're doing. And let them know that there's power in the vote because right now, all of them are taking our votes for granted. All right. Well said, sir. And I tell you, my final thoughts are very quick. Listen, if your pastor can't recognize your Walmart chain churches. All right, Mr. Elias, listen. If it's Sunday and if we're talking serious stuff, what time is it, my friend? It's time for the serious side of the J. Wow. Show. All right, folks, that is it. We'll see you later on tonight on Adam Warren, Dial for Mr. LES, for Prince of Virginia, for Kathleen Williams, and for Drew.